This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the Know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. Today is Friday, January 27th, 2023. I'm Jason Breifel from Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. More than likely, you have heard about recent technology industry layoffs as employers in the tech sector collectively cut more than 150,000 jobs in 2022. And so far in 2023, we've seen almost 60,000 additional jobs shed. If you are one of those employees or a government agency wondering, how can I get these talented folks to enter public service? This is the podcast for you. We'll be discussing the ways the government can and is bringing these former tech uh, industry employees into public service careers and addressing the government's skills gaps. Uh, first, I have two folks joining me from the Tech Talent Project, uh, Jennifer Anastasov and Angie Quirarte. The Tech Talent Project works to increase the ability of the U.S. government to recruit modern technical leaders in order to achieve critical economic, policy, and human outcomes. Welcome to Fed Talk, Angie and Jennifer. Thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> Next, joining us from the Volcker Alliance, a partner with Tech Talent Project on the recent uh, Tech to Government Fair, uh, working on efforts to improve the federal talent pipeline is Peter Morrissey. Welcome to Fed Talk, Peter. Thank you, Jason. And finally, joining us from U.S. Digital Response is Jessica Watson. The U.S. Digital Response is working to serve the American public by activating highly skilled talent, leveraging new technology, and partnering directly with government and nonprofits to meet public needs. Welcome, Jessica. Thanks so much, Jason. Uh, and I'm really, really excited to, to dive into our conversation and to talk about the Tech to Government Career Fair that happened just last week on January 18th. But before we did, I wanted to give our audiences a sense of each of you and, and how uh, you got here. And, and maybe we'll start with you, uh, Jessica. You know, can you share a story that captures why you're here? Why are you in, involved uh, in public service and doing the work that you're doing at U.S. Digital Response? Yeah, I'm happy to. And it may be one that resonates uh, with a lot of folks listening in. Uh, so I have I studied political science. I had always had an interest in government, but I ended up um, as a career um, in the design profession as a product designer and spent uh, almost seven years um, at a large technology company. Uh, and in 2019, I left uh, burnt out, uh, really questioning whether or not technology was a space for me to continue to be in. Uh, and I spent some time thinking through what was the right next step for me in my career uh, and realized that I really wanted to focus somewhere where technology was being used to empower people and enable people more than uh, technology was being used as something for tech's sake. Uh, and for just moving uh, revenue for an organization or time spent on an app. 
Um, come 2020, uh, I was starting to look and COVID hit um, and I wasn't sure what I was gonna do. And I saw a tweet about this organization that was trying to place technologists into government to help with all the challenges that governments were facing at that time, meeting the demands of their communities that were needing like 10X the number of uh, benefits that they were uh, serving before. So I raised my hand uh, and that was three years ago and I joined US Digital Response. Um, and you know, I had the opportunity in my time to talk to other technologists like me every day interviewing them to be volunteers um, and hearing how grateful they were to be able to put their skills to really meaningful use and, and to do something. Um, and then on the flip side, I got to work with our government partners and see that we were working with folks who had decades and, of experience and expertise that just needed some support from other technologists to help them really realize their visions. And it completely changed the course of my career. And I can't imagine doing anything else now after this experience. I love that so much. Uh, thank you for sharing and thanks for being with us. Um, Angie, um, you first and then uh, Jennifer. Awesome. I like to say that I'm a public servant at heart and that's because I, that's how most of my career I spent it in government. I spent close to 10 years working with the state of California on statewide initiatives and implementing digital and data policies. Um, uh, Jennifer likes me to say that I actually also worked on fixing the Department of Motor Vehicles. It was one of my favorite projects that I got to work on before joining the, the Tech Talent Project team here. And I've always navigated between policy, delivery, people, and technology. And um, I think one of the things that I love more about this work is that we're able to see how public servants are able to be empowered when they're given the opportunity to apply technology and their skills and in, in doing the good work that they're meant to do and that they want to do. Um, and so that's what drives me about this work is being able to to work with amazing public servants that are doing the hard work to deliver services to those that need it the most. And I get to do that in this context with the tactile and project team. So I'm excited to, to be here and, and thank you for letting us share the story. Thanks so much, Angie. Jennifer. Hey, um, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I've, uh, I think similar to Angie, I, I've spent, you know, my life largely thinking about what are the most important things that I can spend my time, energy and effort on. And uh, that has generally focused on public service. Um, but I, in terms of this work, um, what's gotten what got me into uh, federal government work was in 2014, I helped start up something called the United States Digital Service, um, and which was focused on bringing technologists uh, into government in a, a right after healthcare.gov, um, had shown that that could be helpful. Um, and at the same time, what's really interesting is, you know, my family, I think about um, why I stay in the work uh, is my dad's a vet um, and works for, you know, is, is, um, was just at the VA yesterday, right? So my dad's a vet. Uh, my uh, family, my mom came to this country a long time ago. Um, and there's just every aspect of our lives is so impacted by every aspect of government. So it's been a pleasure working with the federal government and focus, I've honestly been focused on trying to figure out how do we help make folks' lives uh, both easier and um, better, both 
from the perspective of people who are supposed to be receiving services or um, you know, the general welfare of our country and our government, um, but, but also from the perspective of civil servants who are always doing workarounds in order to try to be able to do the work and provide the customer service that is expected in the 21st century. Thanks so much, Jennifer. Glad to have you and Angie both here. Uh, last but certainly not least, uh, Peter, you're a little bit different in this group in that the Volcker Alliance, I'm long familiar with your work focused on a, the government talent pipeline, but not always in the technology space. No, Jason, this is a new adventure for us as well. Uh, and unlike my colleagues, I do not have an august background uh, in the tech sector. I was proudly representing the Luddites in this work. Um, my path to public service, like those of a lot of other folks, uh, came from seeing some incredible people that make government tick. Uh, lots of family of teachers and vets and social workers. And a, a particular vignette that always sticks with me, with me that was that when my grandpa, who's a farmer in northeast Nebraska, retired after 50 odd years of farming, uh, he felt he needed to give back. And so he became the noxious weed superintendent of Cedar County, Nebraska, and tooled up and down the rural routes, spraying down weeds. And I thought that was such a nice powerful example of someone who'd worked incredibly hard for 50 years, feeling that he owed something to his community and, and taking on that challenge in his late 70s. Um, I, I started out working in local government uh, here in New York City and had the opportunity nine and a half years ago to join a new organization, the Volcker Alliance, um, when it launched with a really singular and unique focus of empowering the public sector. Uh, Chairman Volcker cared deeply about government at all levels, uh, and he felt very strongly that people are government's not only biggest asset, but at the end of the day, it's only asset. The, the thing that makes this important public enterprise and makes democracy tick. And there wasn't enough attention to the people in government. Uh, so at Ber Volcker, uh, I've worn a lot of different hats over that time. Uh, but when really zeroing in on the talent pipeline, as you say, um, the connection between how we can train and educate and inspire people to pursue careers in public service uh, and also make sure that governments are well positioned to emerge as employers of choice. And I think for all of the reasons that Angie and Jessica and Jennifer have laid out, uh, folks with technology backgrounds are really, really a critical component of that, especially as we try and upgrade government um, to align with the expectations that people have in this digital age. So really excited to help bring some of our, uh, our connection know-how to this critically important domain. Awesome. Thank you, Peter, uh, for being here. And uh, so glad to have the Volcker Alliance uh, as part of uh, this conversation. We have to pause here for our first break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Looking for more ways to stay informed on federal news? Every Tuesday, the Fed Manager Newsletter delivers completely free, straightforward news to the federal community. The Fed Manager Newsletter features top news stories affecting the federal workforce, legislative updates impacting pay and benefits, understandable summaries of court decisions written by leading federal employment attorneys, and columns from across the federal community. Subscribe today at FedManager.com. Brought to you by the law firm of Shaw, Bransford & Roth, serving the federal community for 40 years. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're discussing uh, the government's efforts to recruit and attract and retain uh, tech talent um, coming off of a recent government-wide opportunity fair. And before we, we get into some of the details with how that fair happened and, and how that all came together, I wanted to take a step back. Um, Jennifer, you mentioned that you were involved in, in the stand-up and creation of the U.S. Digital Service in 2014, um, which now, you know, uh, there's a much broader kind of public interest, civic technologist movement. 
Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that movement? Because I think that the way this fair came together really shows the power behind what's happening here, whether people are working in government or working elsewhere, uh, and Justice Story comes in there. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there's this concept uh, that's been developing over the last decade. And I, I want to be clear, there's lots of folks who have been working on technology over many, many years, uh, often doing workarounds in government. Um, but this concept of public interest tech or civic tech has been building out over the last decade. And I really like a definition that I've seen that talks about public interest tech being the, the study and the application of technology expertise to move the public interest forward um, in a way that creates public benefits and promotes the public good. So that's how we've been thinking about it. Um, and I think what, what's been interesting is there was a group of folks, everyone who's on this in this conversation and several who aren't the back center and others, um, we've all been talking together for a while. We've been engaging and, and really trying to build out this field for a while. So when this moment happened, uh, when it's not just layoffs, right? There are hiring actions, people's offers are being rescinded, things like that. Um, this group got together and said, hey, how can we support uh, the next, this, how can we support a response um, that is compassionate, that is clear, that provides opportunity uh, to folks who are, are in the tech sector um, and who are thinking about other options now, um, but also to our colleagues in the in, in federal, state, and local governments. Thanks, Jennifer. And I'm, you know, so it sounds like there's been an informal coalition and it's gelling up. And, and that gelling drove this event. Angie, I thought that you had some more to contribute. Yeah, I was just, um, I'm compelled to speak because I was actually tracking all the work that Jennifer was doing at the US Digital Service while I was in the state of California trying to apply those lessons learned in the state level. Um, and I think something I admire about the the movement or this this work in this field is that it's based under the principles of transparency and engagement and collaboration. And I love how in this moment where there's been a mass set of layoffs, those principles and those models have been applied in how we pulled together the event and how we collaborated and brought together all our partners to be able to meet the, the moment and meet the need. Um, and there's there's other narratives that have been written about the, the story and the history of civic tech, gov tech, public interest tech um, that I encourage folks to to learn about. But um, yeah, I just wanted to amplify that those are the principles that I love the most about the work that we do in, in this space. Thanks so much, Angie. And and Jessica, I'm curious for you, you mentioned your, your uh, existential experience in, in 2019, 2020. Was was civic tech on your radar before that time? For me, it had been. Um, it's been a space I've always been interested in, but as a designer, I hadn't. I feel like I was before my time when design was ready to be really a part of the conversation. You've seen that be um, definitely at the forefront over the last you know five, ten years. Um, but I, I think what's really interesting and what I think brought civic tech to the forefront for so many more technologists is over. The pan during the course of the pandemic, government became a lot more visible to folks in a way that it hadn't been before. You know, I think everyone's used to dealing with a DMV or filing taxes or you know, the post office. Um, but otherwise, government felt can often feel largely invisible. And the pandemic really made government 
visible, um, both in the ways that it could work really, really well, like how easy it was to get free COVID tests sent to your house, um, or how easy it was for the application for student loan relief. Uh, but it also highlighted um, where it could also be really challenging, like what we saw with a lot of the challenges with folks applying for unemployment insurance. Um, and so I think for a lot of technologists, it was a real awakening on, wow, uh, there are so many different facets of government at work. Technology is really core in enabling these services to be delivered to people. And then when you pair that now with the layoffs, I think it's just this um, incredible opportunity where folks are both have the awareness in a much more meaningful way um, and are craving a change uh, to work on something more meaningful. Uh, so I experienced this a little earlier because I had been around the civic tech space, um, but I have folks reaching out to me every week who are now, can I talk to you about your experience? I'm just really curious and want to learn more about how I might think about carving out a new path for myself. Uh, the one last thing I will add on that too is what was really interesting with US digital response I mean why we were so fortunate to be able to play a part in this event was you know we had folks reaching out really just because they wanted to help during COVID and are trying to figure out a way with all of their newfound time and not having to commute and being stuck at home to do something that felt meaningful uh, during the course of that time we've had 40 folks that made a career transition from the tech space into government because of this work um, awesome. much like me. Uh, and so we're excited to be able to play a little bit more of the role at the top of the funnel, um, where maybe folks don't even know they're interested in the space and we can give them opportunities to try it on to see where they can really best um, leverage their their talents to make a difference. Awesome. Love that. Uh, so I want to start We've we've talked kind of obliquely about this this uh, gov to uh, tech to gov opportunity fair. I want to start making it a bit more real and and Peter pull you in here because again I think this is where some of the work that the Volcker Alliance has done more broadly on government talent pipelines and and hooking up with hiring managers who who need to get access to skills and talent that they don't currently have right now. Um, you know, where did where did Volker come in uh, and, you know, some more of kind of the story of how this uh, coalition came together to make uh, the, the opportunity fair last week a reality? Absolutely. Well, the way we've been thinking about this challenge broadly across all of the public sector workforce is that our team, Talent Connections team at Volker, has been trying to find ways to build better two-sided markets that are going to kind of agglomerate job seekers uh, who might be interested in or have appropriate skills for public service with governments that need to hire them. And we really have a vision of acting in a pooled way on both sides, trying to constrain some really constructive externalities uh, of big groups coming together. And that's been a priority through 2022 and 2023 for us. And one of the ways we've been piloting doing that is holding a series of virtual career fairs on a virtual career fair platform called Brazen, which is basically a two-sided platform that allows one-on-one -on -one conversations between employers uh, and candidates. It's one of a bunch of companies that have, have really accelerated throughout the pandemic as a lot of the market has moved towards virtual recruitment. We wanted to take that methodology and apply it to the public sector. The really constructive opportunity here is something that uh, that I was really appreciative of Jennifer having framed up quite crisply for us at one of the meetings of the the this group of public interest technology organizations and public service organizations that that, that has been meeting throughout 2022. 
when she asked, is there some way we could hold some sort of hiring event? Does anyone have any experience with that? And I, I kind of stuck up my hand uh, and was very successfully pigeonholed to say, what pieces of this approach, which Volcker has used for generalists and early career people, and how can we adapt it to the unique needs of this market, which I know my tech colleagues can tell you the ways in which it's different. Um, and that was what we did over the course of a sprint, seven weeks or so, we took a, a mostly out of the box approach that we had done five times throughout 2022, um, with usually two, two and a half months of runway, uh, and, and contracted it down to try and catch the fact that this set of job seekers, folks in, in the technology world, have very in-demand skills and, and government and all of us need to move uncommonly quickly to try and take advantage of it. Um, and, and we were able to bring, thanks to the relationships at the Tech Talent Table, an incredible number of employers um, and then ultimately recruit an incredible number of candidates to have what we think was a really successful event. Awesome, Peter. Thank you. And I, I want to get into the details of that event, but I think that this this coalition and, and how these different organizations with no mandate other than wanting to serve the public interest and, and help people and help our, our country. Um, Jennifer, kind of how, how did you wrangle all those cats? I know it wasn't just you. I know there was a lot of folks involved, but you know that's a lot of different organizations with different priorities and stuff. Who, who ultimately came together to make this happen in less than two months? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it was it's a moment, right? And I think part of our work um, when we're all at our best is we're building relationships uh, uh, across the field with awesome people who uh, who are committed to public service. And you know, when this moment came, I will say there's always the messy middle. I talk about there's always this sort of messy middle where someone says, hey, what do you think? This could be a really good idea. And you're just trying to figure out what does that look like? Um, and because we had relationships, because, um, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, I was able to engage with USDR at the very beginning because the Volcker Alliance uh, had been part of the, the uh, uh, with tech talent at the talent table, because, um, you know, the Beck Center has been working for some time on, on doing great work in public interest tech and Popbox and a variety of these other organizations. Because we'd been around and built trust with each other, we were able to jump in. And the same thing was true um, when it came to agencies and governments, because so what the Tech Talent Project has been focused on is really, you know, we identify uh, strong technical uh, technologists and technical uh, uh, leaders and uh, can, you know, identify great folks in government who really are interested in bringing on technical leaders, uh, help them understand how to do that, and then we match them, right? So that's what we've been doing uh, for for years. And because of that, we were all able to come together and engage our colleagues and say, this is something that can happen. Um, and there was, a, you know, and we were able to, um, to tap into we we're able to tap into some goodwill. Um, and and I would also, I would just put out what I thought it was really interesting, this this on the other side, when it comes to technologists, there wasn't any press around this, right? It was folks like uh, USDR, folks like um, Tech Talent and others just reaching out and saying, hey, here's an option for you. And actually, I think in this environment, that level of trust was really critical, right? We could only travel at the speed of trust. And because we've been working together for some time in some way, shape or form, we're able to do it. And I, I credit Angie um, uh, and team a lot with being able to really uh, drive that forward. 
No, I love that story so much. Um, and I think that you're right that that relationships, that, that trust, that uh, help you move fast uh, when when uh, you know there's no time to to doubt one another. Um, and and you know the what I want to talk about next after the break is how that trust that the groups who put this all together, how important that was to starting to engage the government as partners because. For me as an outsider, the fact that OPM officially partnered, co-sponsored this event, seemed to be all in, um, was a very big deal um, and, and was certainly something that when I first heard about this, I had hoped would happen, but wasn't sure from from where, where I sat, um, less in the middle of it than you all. Um, and we're going to talk about that following our next break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Looking for more ways to stay informed on federal news? Every Tuesday, the Fed Manager Newsletter delivers completely free, straightforward news to the federal community. The Fed Manager Newsletter features top news stories affecting the federal workforce, legislative updates impacting pay and benefits, understandable summaries of court decisions written by leading federal employment attorneys, and columns from across the federal community. Subscribe today at FedManager.com. Brought to you by the law firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth, serving the federal community for 40 years. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. One team working all three branches, judicial, legislative, executive. Judicial. SB&R employment attorneys offer specialized legal representation for federal managers. Legislative. Lobbyists in government and public affairs advocating for corporate clients. Executive. Produces two free weekly newsletters, Fed Manager and Fed Agent. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth is your one destination for all three branches of government. Online at shawbransford.com. SB&R. Client-focused. Results-driven. Welcome back. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the second half of our show, talking about the recent uh, Tech to Government uh, Job Opportunity Fair with representatives from the Tech Talent Project, the Volcker Alliance, and the U.S. Digital Response. And you know, I want to continue talking uh, in some more detail about uh, the actual fair that was had. And you know, I'm curious about how your initial aspirations and expectations, uh, what those looked like, and and where we ultimately ended up. And, you know, as we continue through the second half of our show today, what does that mean for, for where we're going next? And, and how do we keep up this momentum uh, and keep the information flowing from both sides, from job seekers, the folks in the pipeline, and those who are, are working on that? Um, and maybe Peter, I'll, I'll bring you back in um, uh, on just like what were what were you all shooting at when you started planning this that six eight weeks ago? Absolutely. Well, we all had kind of an experimental mindset. Uh, we tossed around some target figures internally, um, and we set a goal uh, internally that if we were able to bring two hundred and fifty technologists together with twenty public agencies, that would be a really successful event, and it would be a good reflection of their being interested in this work. Uh, and last uh, last Wednesday, we were able to convene. <laughs> we were able to recruit 55 agencies before we had to stop accepting uh, participation because we were meeting capacity limits. They committed 240 representatives to spend a half a day meeting with candidates. Uh, and ultimately, we had just under 1,900 candidates who attended. So we really blew past all of our targets. 
those folks had a total of 3,900 one-on-one conversations or instrument or informational interviews. Uh, and as many as 750 people were watching a series of live broadcasts featuring among them, the director of OPM and the U.S. chief information officer talking about the difference folks can make in government. So I think for all of us, that's really strong, uh, market affirmation that there is intense interest in need uh, on both sides here. I love that. Well, and as uh, I think Jennifer mentioned, there's not, there was word, a word of mouth campaign perhaps, but, but outside of that, it really was just that. And I don't know if, 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 if Jessica, if you have uh, more to offer there on kind of how you were able to, through us digital response, kind of get out to that network um, uh, or others. Uh, to get the word out. Of course. Um, you know, early on when we were all talking, it was really important, I think, that however we talked about the event, it was coming from uh, folks like the technologists we were trying to recruit so that they could see themselves um, in the folks that were encouraging them to check out this opportunity. Um, and so we did two things. One, we leveraged a lot of our network. Um, USDR over the last three years has had 7,500 people raise their hands to sign up to volunteer with us. And so that was a huge pool that we could go to immediately and say, hey, if you might be interested um, or you're thinking about switching roles, you should start here. Uh, the other was really more of a personal story approach of leveraging LinkedIn. Uh, we had folks in all of our networks post about their personal experience, much like the stories you captured at the top of the hour, um, and share to share those on their LinkedIn networks. And Angie and I were just uh, looking at our stats on our posts the other day, and both of us had tens of thousands of views of our posts and hundreds of reshares. Um, and so it really did almost become a viral thing through networks of folks um, just sharing it with other people they thought it might be interesting uh, to. Um, when I was talking to candidates at the event, everyone I talked to said they, someone shared it with them on, on LinkedIn. So it really just was a word of mouth event, which was, um, I think, a great way to capture such an energized audience for the day. Just to, to hit on that, I mean, I think, again, we had, we had approached this from an experimental perspective, uh, thinking about it as, you know, I think what we, sometimes you hear agile or where we're gonna we're gonna roll with it was kind of the, the approach. Um, but what was really interesting is is everyone agreed that we were gonna approach it with compassion, as we said, clarity and and with opportunity. With that spirit, we had videos uh, that went to LinkedIn that told stories of individuals who have actually done this. We're in a different space now than when I started ten years ago or whatever it was. Right? We we now have people who've actually gone from technology into government and who have experienced that and they it changed their lives so much they wanted to reach out and they wanted to give their time to step up um so that's been really exciting to see and and how awesome that it went viral just right like how awesome that it went viral angie right and you know i remember peter when we were first talking about this and you 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 just kept saying oh I, how are we going to get the people there like what who's Who's in charge of getting all these people in? And uh, and and what was exciting was um, was we were able to do that, and we were able to get the folks on the the agency side uh, as well. And I just have to give kudos to the Volcker Alliance folks. The the champagne problem of having almost ten times the number of people you expected to do that with very little going, like just I don't even know anything that went wrong, right? With very little issue. Um, is just a testament 
to the folk, you know, to being able to pull together something very strong. No, I love that. And one thing that that sticks out to me about the success of what sounds like the viral social media campaign on a professional network largely was that tapping into the employees in the government or people who have done this, people who are part of the, the civic tech movement, that was the key to getting the word out. We weren't relying on official messengers and channels. Sure, agencies participated and might have shared info, but we weren't relying just on those agencies. We were leveraging those connections. And I think that hopefully that's an important lesson for government and one that, that agencies um, have learned. And, and Angie, I wanted to bring you into this because I know you did a lot working with federal agencies. Um, you guys mentioned that there were 55 uh, public organizations who participated before you had to cap it. So I'm curious, kind of, what was that experience look like working with those government agencies, and and especially, um, you know, working with the Office of Personnel Management as kind of an official co-sponsor, um, and they, they appeared to be a, a real partner in this event. Absolutely. Um, I think I want to also just highlight so. The bulk of the agencies that participated were primarily from the federal government, but we also had uh, organizations from state and local governments as well, including some of our, our talent-related programs like Tech Congress uh, or Coding It Forward or the U.S. Digital Corps, for example. Um, and we did that on purpose because we know that at the end of the day, there are people that maybe are not quite ready to make the the jump to actually a full-time role in, in, in government. And so um, I thought it was great that we were trying to cover all aspects of the need of the people that we were expecting or um, projected that might be attending the event. Um, I will say, yes, I remember vividly when we said, okay, let's maybe set the goal. If we don't have 10 agencies by the end of this week, we had a ramp up at reach 20 by the end of this week, and then we'll, we'll be set. We can actually continue forward with the event. The next thing you know, we had to create a wait list. And we had, I think at the end of the day, close to 70 organizations had reached out expressing interest and in, in wanting to participate, which is incredible. Wonderful. Yes. And I actually do credit this obviously part partially because of the relationships that, that Jennifer and I and our partners have been building with our government partners over the years. Um, uh, in my role at Tech Talent Project, I call myself a matchmaker. So in, I, I connect with federal agencies on a daily basis, trying to get a sense of, of their needs and, and how we might be able to support their talent, uh, talent needs in, in their organizations. Um, but I also credit this a lot to the partnership with OPM. I'm not sure that agencies would have felt as comfortable participating had OPM not gone into this partnership with both feet in. Um, and we established that partnership very early on as we were planning, planning the event. Um, we were able to work very closely with uh, folks at the high level uh, from Kim Holden, as well as Kylie, who's part of, of, of Kim's team. Um, they have a whole new human resources experience group they've pulled together to kind of rethink hiring and recruiting and how OPM might be able to, to support other federal agencies in hiring and recruiting. Um, and one of our asks was to say, like, there's a need out there. I, I think it would mean a lot if we have OPM involved uh, and, and they were for it. And so next thing you know, they're joining our, our calls and they actually also uh, created a set of, of 
outreach videos themselves as well. Uh, and I thought that was a beautiful way to also just engage even employees within OPM to participate in this event too. Um, obviously, we had the director of OPM participate in, in the keynotes uh, that Jennifer facilitated uh, at the beginning of the event. Um, so I, I cannot understate the importance of the value of, of that partnership and um, we're excited to see what comes next. Yeah, no, me too. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, for Peter, you know, I know your team has been working on, on the pipeline issue for some time, but, um, you know, kind of as we look forward and we have some of these existing relationships and some models in place, are you all thinking about, you know, doing this again, whether here in the tech space or, you know, applying some of these lessons learned in other areas that the government is, is, is thinking about? Yeah, I, I first I think that this coalition of organizations, the uh, civic tech organizations and um, public service organizations, uh, has every reason to continue to work together um, uh, to on this really high value piece of the public sector, which I think behaves in different and interesting and subtle ways. Um, a, a second area of of attention that I think Angie just gave voice to is how important it is that senior leaders in government be at the table for these pipeline conversations, especially to the extent that we're doing new and non-traditional things. You know, attending a virtual recruitment event that features some sales to people who are newly exploring the sector and some one-on-one conversations that have the flavor of interviews is different than the way a lot of organization, government organizations have traditionally recruited. It's a little outside the comfort zone and it requires kind of a permission structure for engagement. So I think one piece of work uh, that, that I know everyone on this call and our work at Volcker has been looking more, more at is how we can deeply engage with leaders in government personnel and government HR and government talent management to make sure that when we hold events like this, which are kind of moments in time and inflection points that bring critical audiences together, we can make sure that they then find their way through the federal or the state or the local hiring process, that they understand where the opportunities are, and that government agencies are in a really good position to take a tight handoff. Um, so, so I think that, you know, in addition to continuing our pipeline engagement work, I know Volcker will do more of these virtual fairs. I hope we can explore more similar events focused on this piece of the pipeline um, as well, but really engaging deeply on with government partners to make sure that hiring managers are ready to, to take advantage of, of great talent uh, is going to be an important area of work for us. And, and I know everyone in this group. Yeah. So um, as you mentioned, kind of those dealing with those past practices and, you know, water cooler policy and uh, other things like that. You know, I think that kind of this coalition, as you mentioned, it's it's not just on one side of the fence. You know, it is, you know, public service focused uh, organizations, some that are membership organizations, some that aren't. Um, and then and then this broad civic tech movement at the end of the day, folks know we can do better and uh, folks are, are not tolerating, not moving that direction. Angie, something to add. Yeah, I want to piggyback on what um what Peter was saying. I think I also just want to credit the agencies and organizations themselves because they really did step up in the middle of the holiday. They We were getting them to rethink how they're currently even recruiting in the first place. And we encouraged them to bring in other 
other folks and practitioners into the recruiting process and got them to think about how do you share your story and, and your story of the impact that you're already making to really sell that mission to the technologists that will be attending the event. Um, I mean, even Jennifer uh, held office hours to just get um, agencies to kind of think through their story. And, and I obviously want to give the, the agencies credit for taking a leap of faith and participating in this event. Um, I think it was very rewarding all, all around. Awesome. We have to pause here for um, our break, and then we will come back uh, for our last segment. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Looking for more ways to stay informed on federal news? Every Tuesday, the Fed Manager Newsletter delivers completely free, straightforward news to the federal community. The Fed Manager Newsletter features top news stories affecting the federal workforce, legislative updates impacting pay and benefits, understandable summaries of court decisions written by leading federal employment attorneys, and columns from across the federal community. Subscribe today at FedManager.com. Brought to you by the law firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth, serving the federal community for 40 years. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the last segment of our show. So I want to talk about what comes next and, and where we're going for, you know, the next three, six, nine, you know, whatever months ahead. Uh, you know, Jennifer, you and the team talked about this great fair that happened that, that massively uh, outpaced initial expectations. What opportunities does the government have coming out of this and how does it capture them? Great question, Jason. I mean, I think the, any event like this, it's, it's so great when, when uh, you can blow expectations out of the water, um, even especially your own. Um, but there are three kind of really key things that will need to that that can happen right uh to to keep the momentum going um one it's an opportunity uh there are a lot of people who who applied for roles right uh if you look at the if you think about hiring there's an opportunity to really strengthen technical hiring um and specifically uh you know in the private sector and folks don't know this most of the time i talk to in government but in the private sector on average it's 30 to 60 days calendar days to get hired. Um, and it's a pretty clear process. Uh, and the process uh, for many uh, who are coming from outside of government does not feel that clear at all and um, definitely doesn't feel like 30 to 60 uh, calendar days. Um, so there is a moment right now where there's excitement and folks have stepped up to the plate and said, I'm willing, I'm willing to take a jump here and I'm willing to take that same leap of faith that the agencies took uh, when they signed up to, to participate and we have an opportunity, and I should say, you know, our, our federal government has an opportunity to show them that, that leap, leap of faith was totally worth it um, by looking at a hiring. And I see huge, huge opportunities. There's been some pooled hiring actions like the subject matter expertise qualifications assessments. There's uh, great stuff that's going on and that OPM has been leading and thinking about this with customer experience. Now's a moment to really kind of step that up. So that's one. I would say uh, the neck, you know, so, you know, really strengthening that hiring. Uh, the second is, you know, maybe there is an opportunity and we haven't talked about this as a coalition, <laughs> but, but, you know, there's an opportunity uh, to, to, to say, hey, where, you know, where might be another moment or might there be, you know, if, if, if our federal government needs product manager, 
sectors or if our federal government needs a certain type of role? Is there something that, you know, is there a place we can step that up? Sure. The most important thing is going to be working on the hiring piece because I always say, hey, you have one chance where you get to show everyone how excited because lots of people want to change the world, but they need to believe that they can do it and that you're going to bring them on to do it. So that's one. Two is potentially doing more of these, but three, um, I think the third big opportunity uh, uh, right now, um, honestly, the third big opportunity is uh, to tell, is not is, is once the hiring stuff is done to tell the story in the next three to six months, to really tell the story of the people who've gone in uh, and to tell the story very broadly and the stories very broadly of those uh, who, have, uh, who have been in. Um, I think those are three ways that we can continue to get folks in uh, with the number one being hiring. Thanks so much, Jennifer. And, and Jess, I wanted to, to bring you in here because particularly kind of the, the next moment in the storytelling piece seems like an, a, a really ideal intersection for the folks that U.S. Digital Response has connected with, you know, in the past several years, as you mentioned. A lot of folks raising their hand, it may not be for going fully in, but if they've got the time, and I wonder how, uh, if, if you've been thinking about how, you know, where, where you all are going to continue playing um, in this and opportunities for, for your organization. Yeah, we've been thinking about this a lot. Um, and some of the ways that, that we're thinking about uh, taking advantage of this moment, for lack of a better term, but I guess continuing the momentum and building off of some of the things that we've already seen be successful are uh, we want to be able to give folks more volunteer opportunities. We actually find that once folks have had an opportunity to volunteer, they there's some demystification of government. They start to understand what they're going to see when they join. They have more perspective of the things that are going to be great and what some of the challenges may look like. And so I think that transition in. Um, I don't have data on this, but my hope is that you see people stay longer because they've come in with clear expectations. Um, so we definitely want to give more folks opportunity there. Uh, and then we want to just take advantage. And if we can't, we can't give volunteer opportunities to every person who's interested. Um, but we're looking at building up and continuing programming, ensuring and thinking through how we can get more job opportunities in front of folks. Um, giving folks opportunity to be a part of this community. Uh, one of the things I think we've seen through USCR that has been so meaningful is uh, many folks coming from tech haven't spent time in a truly mission-driven organization. And I am biased, but I honestly think that folks working in this space are like the best people that exist <laughs> because they are saying yes to solving really hard problems that are long-term problems, that are systemic problems. Um, and, and know that it's going to take time. And so even if folks can't get into roles immediately, helping them find other folks like them and creating support systems or ways to get into not just federal government, but state and local government, I think it's going to be a big one. And there, there is continuing to support folks as they're navigating and moving into government. Like, how can we help, uh, much like some of the Work Tech Talent Project is doing, and how can we help bolster their work um, to, at all levels of, or folks that are applying at all levels of government to make the application process uh, more transparent or easier to understand. Um, and on the flip side, we're also partnering with a lot of state and local governments to help them be better set up to hire and to bring in folks and to retain them um, because we can do all of this work to bring people in, but if we're not setting them up for success, um, 
it's 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 not going to end well. And so that is part of the work as well, um, is to set up the agencies and organizations and teams that are bringing in technologists to ensure that the technologists have a good landing um, and, and a supportive system around them. Do Angie or Peter want to respond to, to, to what Jess just said there, and particularly like the continuing to the momentum and the, the driving the change on the government side, you know, helping people roll with the punches, do things differently, uh, continue refining and updating the way that they do things so that, you know, barriers that have been put in place over time, um, but then also people's ability, you know, to, to capture and keep that talent. Um, you know, uh, just curious about if either of you have some thoughts on that. Yeah, I was actually going to highlight um, as part of the event, I worked with the folks at OPM in creating something that I call like a cheat sheet. And in this cheat sheet, we had a translation between what's the private sector role and how does that apply to the context of government, right? Like, so what does that, what does it mean to be an information technologist number two? Does that mean the same thing as a product manager? Um, and that is just the very bare bones of how we thought, um, I think it would give technologists a starting point, but I think there's more work to be done there to Jessica's uh, point about figuring out how do we work with our government partners to make sure that we're creating an environment and formalizing some of those tech disciplines in the context of government. So it's easier to build technology teams, delivery teams that are working asynchronously and multidisciplinary. So you, you no longer just have the one designer on the organization that's trying to figure out how do you implement design when it's just you in an organization of many that don't even know what your role is. Um, and so I think there's there's more work to be done there and figuring out how do we flex and mature, like and strengthen the muscles of, of government to be able to bring in and formalize some of those disciplines that are prominent in the private sector in the context of government so that we are um, just building better, better digital teams. Um, and I think the other thing also to Jennifer's point about telling the story, one of my favorite parts about the event last week was moderating the demos presentation uh, where we actually had technologists from like the VA, from New Jersey, from Boston, as well as uh, U.S. Postal Service, actually, and U.S. Digital Service uh, showcased some of the cool products and technology that they've been able to work on. And I loved seeing in the chat how in that moment, technologists were realizing like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea you could do cool technology work like this that could actually impact the lives of millions we have to build on that, right? Like, how do we continue to share those stories so that we don't lose that momentum? But then also to what Jessica was saying, like, make sure that we're giving those teams a chance, an opportunity to do that work. Um, it, it's, it all has to come together. Sure does. And I think, uh, and Peter, I'm curious about your thoughts here. I think that the lessons learned, you know, also apply to some of the entry level talent and other folks, you know, at the end of the day, we need to uh, enable and empower our, our leaders and managers, especially in government, uh, to behave and operate differently than they're used to, because that's, that's what's going to work uh, on the way right. forward if we want to keep any kind of talent. 
I completely agree with that. And I think several of us have had this conversation in the past, but a, a common refrain in the Volcker talent connection work is that government does not operate in a special privileged labor market. Government operates in the same labor market as everybody else does, which means the rules of that labor market and how it clears are set not by any individual office or by statute, but by the aggregate behavior of thousands of organizations. Uh, and in this case, um, that means that the way the technology sector works needs to inform a little bit more how the government hires technology. And I, I really want to applaud that uh, Angie's point about how there are a lot of great resources that came together through this event and afterwards that we can kind of collate and anchor them on translation to both sides. And Jason, I really strongly agree with yours too, that, that there's empowerment and responsibility uh, that we can invest in hiring managers and in program managers to act in ways well aligned with the expectations of the people we need to get into government to deliver on mission. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Peter Morrissey from the Volcker Alliance, really appreciate you being here with us today. Uh, Jessica Watson from the U.S. Digital Response, appreciate you being with us as well. Um, and uh, Angie Quirarte and Jennifer Anastasov from the Tech Talent Project, thank you all for being here as well. Jennifer, I wanted to bring you up to go over the, some of those, that list of three opportunities laying out there ahead of the government as we wrap up uh, our Fed talk here today. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think, look, if, if we're going to get right down to it, in the next three months, our government can invest in folks, an agency that wants to do this and wants to take advantage of the last uh, of, of the momentum from the 18th, can invest in hiring more more quickly and effectively, uh, hitting back at that 30 to 60 day calendar mark uh, in the market, uh, in the tech market. Um, and they can use existing authorities and hiring processes to do it. They can use experts. Uh, agencies can use experts to hire technologists, like the subject matter expert qualifications assessment. They can do pooled hiring. Um, and they can actually, the third, I would say, tell the stories, which is what we talked about before. But also, I have to say, there are amazing people on this call and who are off this call who are here to help. Um, and so they can seek help in, in how to do it. No one has to do it alone. Um, and, uh, you know, folks are around for, for technical assistance and support. I love that. Yeah, tap into the network. Feel free to reach out to anyone who's listening to this podcast, any of the folks on this program and in your network. Uh, we can do this together to make our country better together. That's all the time we have here on Fed Talk. I really appreciate our guests. I hope everyone has a great rest of the day.